When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone. I'm Jess Mills, and welcome to Human Podcast a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. Each week, I'm in conversation with a celebrated trailblazer or unsung hero whose awe-inspiring personal story demonstrates the breathtaking things that human beings are capable of overcoming and achieving. Human has been created to make these stories more seen, more heard and more celebrated. In this first series, we're exploring extraordinary personal stories of resilience and trying to understand how it enables us to overcome the most impossible experiences. Every story of greatness holds the messiness and fragility of living too, and so often our pain is our greatest teacher. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be uplifted by the fire of the human spirit. So most of you listening today will know our guest not just as Ella Mills, but as Deliciously Ella. I, however, am beyond lucky to know her as my sister, a sister-in-law, and most importantly, as Auntie Yaya, my daughter's most favourite person in the world. Um, So from the outside, Ella's story is one that um, has been defined by its meteoric rise to success. She is, sorry, you're going to have to suck this up. An award-winning cookery, author, entrepreneur, globally recognised innovative plant-based living and her debut cookbook, I still can't believe this, was the best-selling debut cookbook ever in the UK. Um, She's since released a further four best-selling cookbooks, including the fastest ever-selling vegan cookbook of all time and built a very modest social media audience of about two and a half million people and now has her products in over 6,000 stores across the UK now. Ella is also the world's most modest person and we never, ever really talk about this stuff. So just seeing it in black and white like that, it always absolutely blows my mind. So everyone be upstanding for our wonderful guest. This is Ella. Hello. Oh, hello. Thank you. I'm (laughs) going so red and blushing. (laughs) Must be quite surreal hearing those things back like that. It's so surreal. Honestly, I think where we've got to in life is so far from where I ever thought I'd be. I still kind of can't quite recognized yeah completely so if you could take us back to the beginning where would that be it's hard it's hard to say I guess but I think it's it's probably 2011 um and I guess that was the kind of changing point of my life in which yeah I think everything I thought I would do became something completely different and so um 
I was at university, I was up in Scotland in St Andrews and having the most amazing time. I'd never kind of been massively happy at school, never kind of felt like I'd really fitted in, always just struggled a little bit. And I'd got there and I felt like I'd really kind of found myself and I'd found my feet and I'd found my friends and I'd found who I wanted to be. And I was in the best place I'd ever been in. And then kind of out of nowhere in the summer of my second year there, so I was 20 at the time, I got really sick basically overnight. Um, I went to a friend... Was that quick? Pretty much. I went to a friend's birthday party. It was her 21st birthday. And I woke up the next day and I just felt so ill. And I... I've got pictures of it now. My mum and I were looking at them and I look more pregnant in those pictures than I did by about six months pregnant. So my stomach was that swollen. And so I went home. My mum and I were kind of talking about it. My mum was like, you must have just, you know, eaten something weird or had some kind of allergic reaction. So sort of completely dismissed it. But a week later, I was still feeling so ill. It was like the hangover had continued all week and I hadn't really been able to get out of bed. I still looked like I was like five or six months pregnant and I was just kind of every day just feeling that little bit worse. And and so we started, we went to our GP and we started going to a few different doctors, went to a lot of different gastroenterologists, um, stomach doctors basically, to start to try and understand what had happened to cause this. And I spent the next four months in that hospital and getting worse basically by the day to the point by the end of this, I literally could not really get out of bed. I wouldn't guarantee that I'd have the energy and the ability not to need to lie down to be able to get to the end of the road and back. And I had every test under the sun. I had MRIs. I had endoscopies and colonoscopies and the bladder oscopy, which I can't remember what it's called. And I had um, swallowed cameras. You know, I spent 10 days at hospital at the longest point having multiple tests every single day. And no one could understand what was going on. Um, And then... That must have been quite scary. Do you know, I wasn't... I was so out of it at that point that I wasn't scared yet it actually I wasn't scared until I got my diagnosis I think at this point I was still assuming that someone would tell me that it was this and there would be an answer to it and it would be okay and I was just so exhausted and ill that I just was basically just sleeping through it that I don't really remember having the energy to be afraid basically and it wasn't until I was then, I then did get a diagnosis of initially something called postural tachycardia syndrome, which is something that affects your autonomic nervous system. And then um, a further diagnosis um, of something called Ellis Danlos syndrome, which is a hypermobility condition, and then something called mast cell activation disorder, um, which is basically um, when you can't control the cells that are, uh, that are involved in allergic reactions. So you're basically having allergic reactions to things that you're not allergic to. So right. one time I was having a, oh, it's called a cystoscopy, that's it, which is because I had really chronic bladder infections. I was on antibiotics for two and a half years. I did antibiotic drips and I was having a test for that, which is when they put a camera up your bladder. And I had an allergic reaction to the plaster that they put on my arm and I wasn't allowed to go back upstairs afterwards because my heart rate wouldn't go back up uh, above 45 for about an hour or so and that was a reaction to a plaster so it was a really I think that's when I started to get scared because I had the diagnosis and it was very clear that it 
wasn't under control so he was put on all different meds steroids beta blockers you name it and as a kind of experiment to see if it would work um but and what's the window of time that this all happened within so this is all within six months so it was a pretty rapid life change um and were you were you still up in Scotland at that time or yeah so I'm forever grateful my boyfriend at the time who's an amazing guy and he was so supportive and absolutely brilliant like a complete rock throughout the whole thing because I really struggled to talk about it I was quite I was quite embarrassed of being different from other people Mm. and not really fitting in and what would people say and I didn't even understand the condition enough really to explain it and therefore I knew other people wouldn't necessarily understand it so I decided not to tell people about it and I kind of really shut myself away and he was absolutely amazing and he was so insistent that I came back and that he would help me and support me and I mean I had um, like two hours of class a week and I St Andrews is the smallest town in the world it's beautiful but it's tiny and I lived opposite the art history building which is what I did so I basically had to go to two hours of lectures a week also and then they were absolutely amazing at letting me hand things in you know as and when I could I did exams on my own I went to sleep in one exam um, and that was no problem Um, they were absolutely brilliant and supportive and I'm forever grateful to him because I think if I'd given up completely at that point I don't know where I would have got to I think just being there was was positive even though I didn't really see anyone or do anything it's an interesting thing you say about your initial response to your diagnosis being that you felt you needed to withdraw because quite often when these kind of life-changing events happen that is initially the the human instinct and I know definitely that pertains to to grief and bereavement which is why I've kind of come at this whole Mm. kind of my in my interest in resilience has come from and um it's interesting that you I just want to talk about that a little bit more about take yourself back to the that time that kind of journey between the point of kind of you know really removing yourself from the world to the point where you started to feel the need to engage and reconnect what how if you could describe that 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 journey from the kind of internal perspective how would you how would you explain that? Do you know what? I didn't realise at the time that that's what I needed. I think it it's not really until I can look back on it quite some time later that I can appreciate that that need for connection was incredibly powerful. But at the time, I didn't really understand that that's why I was doing it. I think it probably subconsciously was. But I... I don't know, I think I just lived in a kind of real fear and shame and um, I just had this kind of complete sort of determination that no one would like me anymore because I must be a fundamentally different person and I completely allowed myself to be defined by that sort of physical change so in myself. So changed by it. So changed by it. And I I think in some ways, and it's, you know, potentially overdramatic, but... Um, I don't know if I've ever fully healed from it. I think there's a sense of insecurity that lives in me that I don't think will probably ever go. And, you know, I got into kind of diet and lifestyle changes in order to 
kind of manage the condition and that they have managed it phenomenally successfully well but it is something that has to be managed on a day-to-day basis and therefore I've always kind of know I have to live within a sense of confinement that makes me conscious of being a little bit different to other people and and you meet people all the time like one of the most interesting things for me has always been alcohol um because of the Marcel activation disorder um I have I I don't really respond very well to alcohol and um, it can trigger different reactions. And so I don't really drink. And, you know, all the time you meet people and they say, oh, do your friends think you're quite boring? And it just has this little, each time it kind of has this subconscious uh, uh, knock on you. off. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? Nice one. It is, it is really interesting. Um, So I, and I think it took me a long, a longer time to kind of get my mental health in a better place than it did actually for my physical health. There's something really interesting you said then about um, possibly never having recovered from that sense of insecurity. But from the outside, what you've demonstrated is extraordinary strength to think that you've gone on to achieve the things that you have you know, within this landscape demonstrates actually incredible resilience and strength from the outside. Um, and it's that kind of juxtaposition, the polarity between the two that I find so interesting that so often out of moments of feeling broken sometimes the most incredible growth and strength can emerge and um, that just really I I feel that you're really starting to talk about that in in those moments and I just wanted to kind of dig in a little bit deeper into that into where you think that strength comes from because I think at the root of that strength is this thing that we're talking about in resilience initially I think it came from other people actually it came when I started writing Delicious Ciela and Delicious Ciela was never intended to be something for other people it was meant to be a personal exploration basically and a kind of diary but um, but obviously I wrote it online and so people could find it and um, after a few months I shared it with friends who shared it with friends who shared it with friends and it grew and it was when people started getting in touch and said I've read the about section and you know I've been through this or I've been through that or I've changed you know the way I live because of x y and z and I felt so bolstered by that sense of connection with other people and this sense having gone from feeling so isolated and alone to feeling like you know what there are lots of other people who've been in such similar positions I'm not on my own in this Mm. and realizing that gave me massive 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 strength um it didn't matter that they were complete strangers who lived all over the world it was so empowering and then I think I felt like I'd taken some semblance of control back of my Mm. life it felt so out of my control for the kind of previous year 18 months and suddenly I was like you know what I'm making steps Mm. that I'm in charge of that I'm choosing every single day to try and get my life to where I wanted it to be and I found as I started to do that I realized that I had a power in me that I didn't that I had lost so much so and it's delicious yellow continued to grow I continued to see that I could do so many things that I didn't think I'd be able to Mm. do and that's manifested in so many different ways I mean completely from a health perspective of doing something so different so unusual and I guess kind of challenging a status quo in that sense um but also from a kind of 
professional perspective as well like I was never an ambitious person at all I never ever thought I would kind of massively succeed in that space like if you ask my mum and she's super open about this there's four kids in our family and she always says you know if anyone asked me who was going to have a successful business I would have said all three of the others and I I wouldn't have even put (laughs) Ella forward (laughs) Um, brilliant um, which is which is valid because she was right you know I really I really wasn't and I didn't have confidence in myself in that sense and so I think there's also been this kind of amazing moment of realizing what you can do so life has a way of teaching you what you're capable of doesn't it completely completely and it happened very organically and slowly and if I look back on all the things that we've done in the last kind of six years or so it blows my mind but it didn't feel as kind of nuts as it sounds because each each step led to the next but it it has been the ultimate test of kind of strength and as much as there is the lingering insecurity which is on a very kind of personal level of feeling like people might think you're a bit boring which is what it always comes back to for me you have this sense that you are so much I feel so much stronger than ever before and I kind of feel like well I managed to deal with that so I'm going to be able to deal with the next thing and what do you think it is that's built that sense of strength I honestly think time is the magic for me in it. It's, you know, when I look back and I had this moment with my mum the other day when she sent me this picture from when I was sick and my belly was was more pregnant than it was at this point, which was about five and a half months. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, I did that. Mm. You know, I took my body from one to the other. I found a way to take that pain away to get myself healthy enough to then be able to grow a child and there was something about that I just felt kind of I felt so proud of myself (laughs) and I think that sense of time to be able to reflect back on it was so key Mm. because you know I'm sure it's like a lot of things that people struggle with with adversity is that at the time it's sometimes hard to feel like you're making progress you know, because each day, even if you're adding on to what you're building a little bit, you know, and I know for me that was especially true. It took me kind of like three or three years or so to feel like my health had stabilized to some extent. And you'd obviously have good periods and bad periods within that. And so it was quite, I think there's a challenge at points of seeing that you were making progress and that mm. you were succeeding. But then when you look back on it, or it might have gone up and down and kind of all around during that period, but you absolutely got there in the end. There's so much that you're saying that's kind of resonating with lots of the kind of thinking I've been I've been doing on this. And one thing in particular is this idea that the road to success is is not just defined by the green lights that we encounter. It's actually defined by the red lights and the challenges and how we respond to those. Um, would you say that's been true of your experience? And um, if so, what what do you lean into in those moments that can help you navigate the stop signs? I think it's true in every sense, whether it is on a kind of personal level or a professional level. I don't think anyone succeeds at anything without having a huge amount of issues mm. along the way. Um, and I think anyone who does is like, kind of a complete anomaly yeah. but we we're quite slow to talk about the challenges 
um, for all manner of different reasons. And as a result, I think sometimes that enhances our general insecurity in life because we look at other people and what they're doing or what they've achieved and assumed it was easy and that you're failing as a result. But actually, it couldn't be less the case. I think that is what I lean into is understanding that there, first of all, and again, it comes back down to time, mm. is that the more I've realized, and like I remember even, you know, with Delicious Yellow, especially in those kind of early days when we were really getting off the ground and things were just absolutely manic and we thought we'd be out of business, you know, really seriously a few times. And you think it's over, you know, mm. I can't do it, I quit, I'm defeated. And, you know, same with kind of recovering with my health. And yet you didn't. And, you know, you got there in the end. And so I think there is something that you learn over time that there is always a way through something. Um, but that's, that's, a very, that, that's a really significant thing to say because I think that demonstrates an innate sense, your innate sense of your own resilience. But, you know, when you think about is, is this thing called resilience, is it innate or is it nurtured? I think is it's it nurtured. created within us? Because, I mean, how would you reflect on that in terms of your own experience? You know, were there people, do you know people in your early life that really demonstrated resilience to you or in those moments where, you know, you thought it was all going down the pan and it didn't. What did you draw on in those moments to to turn it around? Or was it just a, a belief that it would be okay? What steers you then? I think for me it was all nurture. I did not have it when I started this in 2011. I, you know, I think for me that's abundantly clear in the fact that actually for the first year I completely quit. I completely hibernated, I withdrew, I refused to basically acknowledge the situation that I was in. Um, you know, I remember there was one point and it was around Christmas time. So I'd had the diagnosis and started my medication in September, so it was about three months later. And I'd been put on a new drug and I didn't realise that one of the side effects was that it can really affect your mental health. And that was probably, for me, the darkest week. And I remember lying in bed and I was like oh, I just don't care if I'm alive anymore like mm. I really distinctly remember being just so unfazed about living there was nothing I really wanted to live oh. for and which which wasn't true because there was yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it really but that's how played with my yeah. mind and and I remember my dad saying to me he was like you are really depressed and I was like I'm not depressed and he was like, you, you need help in this space too. And, and I kind of wouldn't, I couldn't really acknowledge where I was. And I think, you know, looking back on that, that sense of resilience, it just wasn't there. There was no part of me that was like, let me try something. Let me see what else I could do. And it wasn't really until I hit rock bottom where I realized, you know what, in the current trajectory I'm on, I'm going to live at home forever. I'm never going to be able to have a job. I'm not going to have friends. Let's be honest, I'm never going to be married. I'm never going to be able to have kids. You know, all these kind of things that you just think are going to be a part of your life. It was so clear to me that they weren't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was, that was when it changed for me. And I think I had to get to the bottom to be able to start learning. To resurface. Yeah, yeah. I think I had to start learning that. And... I think it's taken a long time to learn, but actually, you know, I think I I feel confident that I have it now and I think it's I learned it through through illness. I think I learned it through 
delicious yellow and those kind of early days of realizing you know what even in the days that you think everything's over and you know I'm sure anyone who's worked in a startup or or started something themselves have found the same thing that actually you realize even you can get over anything and I think um my husband is is Jess's brother and you know I I really felt that last year when math was going through the grieving process with your mum there were so many events you know that you dread and you think how how are we going to do this Mm. and then you realize you did it and you 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 were there and you you know I was so scared the whole time you know how am I going to show up in a way that's supportive enough of someone that's going through something that I can't even imagine how difficult it is Mm. and yet you do show up and you are able to hold their hand and you are able to be there and you are able to kind of withstand that and I think it was those kind of three things put together for me have really made me realize that I don't know at this point what I can't do (laughs) that's amazing and it makes you really grateful I think as well because I think it's so easy when you have a difficult experience to see it solely as a difficult experience but actually what you learn from it is so humongous and I wouldn't take back any of the challenges and the difficulties because I feel like my life is so much richer and more interesting now I think I'm so much happier because I think I have such a better perspective and sense of appreciation and gratitude that I I just didn't have before because I think I took things for granted because I didn't really have any reason not to. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really interested in um, just as we're digging into this about the um, kind of exploration of resilience, whether it's something innate or something which is nurtured. So often when you speak to people that have um, gone through and experienced extraordinary adversity in various different ways and overcome it through th- thriving and achieving incredible things, 
there's normally some person, there's normally one person in their early life, at least one person that has modelled resilience to them. So they haven't just experienced um, their own ability to f- be resilient, as you've said, through an experience in later life and discovered it at that point. There's normally someone in the very, very early years of their life who has demonstrated resilience to them, you know, a parent, a, a friend, a granny. Would you say that that's, that's true of you? It's interesting. I think my mum had... You know, my parents were not happily married growing up and my mum was very resilient in that sense. She was so clearly not happy, but yet she was she showed up for us mm. all the time and you could see that she was able to do that and had found her way of doing that. And again, it's not something that I really recognised, mm. you know, in my early teenage years, but I think, again, when you look back on it it's hard not to see that as something Mm. significant exactly you know she was so strong and she you know even in you know really challenging times she was so so strong and she never ever ever let that wavered and you know maybe there was a sense in that that made me struggle with vulnerability because it was almost resilience to the max right um resilience in a way that didn't enable vulnerability yeah i think at the at that point but that's that, there wasn't but, space potentially for vulnerability in the resilience she needed the strengths right. and then it was more survival totally and the vulnerabilities yeah. come later the mm. vulnerability is now and i see she still has that phenomenal strength but she has more openness and it's mm. it's really amazing to see as you know i'm so close with my mom um and then I think, you know, honestly, and I'm not just saying this, but I, I learn a huge amount from, from your family as well because, you know, you, you know, the four of you, as in Jess, Matt, my husband, and, and your parents, you have this unbelievable sense of resilience, but it is married so much with vulnerability and kind of emotional openness and availability. And I say this to people all the time. But That's my mum. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say. Mm. There was this moment. I'll never ever forget it as long as I live. It was a really it was a really defining moment in my life actually, because I definitely I say this to Matt the whole time, like my inclination is not as positive as yours. And there was this moment and it was very shortly after your mum had been diagnosed with the glioblastoma and everyone had kind of understood how difficult the next year was gonna be. And we were at your house in the country and um, Ottie, Jess's daughter, who's literally the best person ever, must have been, I don't know, like three, three and a half months at that point. And it was such a gorgeous day. It was so sunny. And we'd kind of just got out of the hospital environment and the intensity of the diagnosis and the understanding. And Ottie was paddling in actually in a washing up bucket because we hadn't had time to get her paddling pool <laughs> in the sweetest little red and white little costume. And it was just a really lovely day and we were outside and I think your dad did a really lovely barbecue. And your mum at the end of the day said that was such a perfect day. And she really meant it. And I just remember being quite flawed by it because I remember thinking 
oh my God, you really, you really mean it. You really saw today as a perfect day, even though you've just been handed the most challenging diagnosis, your entire world has just changed. You know, the floor's ripped out underneath you, but that's not how you're seeing it. You are seeing it as you just spent the day with your two children and your husband, who are your favorite people in the world, and your granddaughter, who is, as I said, the best person ever. And you are genuinely so happy and grateful for the beauty of that day. And it was such a powerful moment and it's been a huge learning. And again, something that I'm, you know, massively grateful for because that's a kind of life skill that fundamentally changes your happiness as well. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you talk to people about happiness and where where it comes from gratitude and appreciation is always what comes up time and time again an ability to be present and be happy in the day as it is and and your mum had that in spades and it was a real privilege to see that in during such a difficult year because there's, there's not many people who'd be able to do that no as well yeah um it's so lovely to hear you reflect on it like that it's funny, my memories of it are so different because I was just so catatonic at that point. But I do, it was a, it was in some ways a perfect day. I mean, it was. Um, but my God, so many things can be going on at one time. And, you know, you can have a perfect day in that's also underpinned with, like, absolutely gut-wrenching sanders too. And somehow the two can coexist. And that in itself is quite an extraordinary thing isn't it and And I think that's resilience for me is being able to find a way to let the two coexist because the reality that's life is that that's how it's going to be you're going to have some periods where you know you don't have grief or loss or challenge but you know life is Matt says it the whole time he's like the first thing you have to appreciate is that life is fundamentally unfair and it's phenomenally random and it's Mm. so true Mm. and therefore you're going to always have you know, there's no way of escaping the difficult periods. Everyone goes through them. I think it's just part of the human experience. Mm. But when you can find ways to let happiness and joy and appreciation coexist with that, mm. to me, that is resilience. Gosh, definitely. Just listening to you talk and then, you know, reflecting on my own kind of experience of life in the last two years, you know, definitely this sense that, you know, a terrible life-changing event you know, is is not the end point. It's a springboard into a, a new landscape which can provide, surprisingly, the most incredible gifts too, you know, and what you talk about, the gift of presence and the gift of gratitude. I mean, my God, those two things literally sustained me throughout those two years, you know, never looking too far forward, never looking back, just being exactly where you are and just soaking up with every single kind of almost like every molecule of your being just soaking up the presence of that moment is it's actually an incredibly enriching and um amazing way to live actually and you realize that in those moments nothing is lost on you you know literally just sitting outside and having a nice cup of coffee in the sunshine with your best mate is like actually those moments are what as good as life gets. <laughs> it sounds crazy, you know, I mean, I, but it is the simplicity, you know. It's just that not allowing things, you know, things not being wasted on you. And that that's what I, I feel so much 
you know, as a result of what we've been through in the last two years, I mean, honestly, nothing is wasted on me. And, you know, it, it takes me back to the things we were talking about earlier, how out of, you know, these, as well someone put it, you know, your, your suffering can be your greatest teacher and it can be the greatest landscape to learn and, and, and to grow. And that in itself is just, is a really amazing thing. The other thing that if I reflect back on it is that, it allowed me to become a completely different person. And I think in that I'm happier than I've ever been as well. And mm. I think it was almost like going down to the bottom allowed me to rediscover a sense of purpose, a sense of passion, a sense of things that keep, you know, it's almost like your personal why, you know, why mm. why do you want to get out of bed every yeah. morning? Like, why are you excited about life? There's a purpose bigger than myself. It's not about me. It's that this changed my life. I'm so passionate about the fact that it can have an impact on other people's life that I want to share it, even if other people aren't going to agree. And I think it has allowed, again, that sense of resilience Mm. in that capacity, which is that you stop minding so often about what people think because it doesn't matter because there's something bigger at play. Everything that you're saying kind of underpins... Another thing I've been thinking a lot about, which is how kind of purpose and meaning drive resilience. And it seems to me that through the work that you do, you just have that in abundance. And, you know, the people that write to you every day, the people, you know, that in it, when you talk about what gets you up, you know, in the morning to, to continue. I mean, the, the, the testaments of other people of how you're helping them change their own lives as well must give profound meaning to your every day. I don't think... I don't think people realise how much they matter. You know, Mm. people say, oh, I don't know if you'll ever read this, but I just wanted to share it. And I just don't know if the people that share the stories realise what a massive, massive part they play on a personal level as well. What they mean to you. 100%. Many of you may not know this, but Ella spends about three hours a day personally replying to every single message that she gets on her social media and no one has ever ever run your social media ever you do all of it yourself it's pretty incredible mad person really Um, (laughs) but it's for that reason because actually those messages are just why you do it they're so worth it I mean it is just absolutely it's like kind of humbling beyond belief Mm. and as you said it then continues to give you that sense of purpose which gives you such a sense of drive Mm. and such a sense of kind of bigger mission and again that creates such a kind of grounding and a reason for being in life Mm. that I think enhances that sense of resilience so much just to finish so if there was one person in the world living or past who you would want to be proud of you and what you've achieved who would that be do you know what? It's absolutely my husband. It is. <laughs> it really is. He, he's just. He is the well. You know better than anyone. He is the best, mm. and he has given me so much strength and confidence. And he has love and empathy like you do. But it's unusual how much you know the abundance to which your family have that. And I feel very privileged to have experienced it because it wasn't like anything I'd ever seen in my life before and so yeah definitely him so each episode for the human podcast series um, I will ask a guest to choose a piece of music to dedicate to their story whatever their story may be and for this one Ella very sweetly thought that we should dedicate 
this one to my mum and she wanted me to lead on the dedication. And so my dedication to my mum and her demonstration of resilience has to be <laughs> the water boys, the whole of the moon. Um, so for those that knew my mum outside of her public life, she she was just so beautifully eccentric and idiosyncratic in her way and one of her absolutely gorgeous eccentricities was how she loved music and how completely unselfconscious she was in her expression of how much she loved it um you know I remember being a kid and you know her picking me up from kids birthday parties and she would almost walk through the door dancing to whatever song we were listening to you know I've heard her break into seeing her break into dance just to the you know hearing someone tapping their foot or clapping their hands it was she had this ability just to spontaneously erupt into dance (laughs) sometimes with the most unusual or um shall we say uh unorthodox um situations but this was um this song was a song that not only really soundtracked that year, but it was a song that she she just loved and she would hear it and she would, you know, throw her arms and her heart wide open and generally throw us all around the room with her. And um, when I listen to this song now, I think of her courage and I think of her vitality and her love and her infectious sense of optimism. <laughs> And if we're looking at an awe-inspiring example of resilience, then I think that shown by my mum has to be up there with one of the most powerful there is. So here it is, the water boys, the whole of the moon. I pictured a rainbow You held it in your hands I had flashes But you saw Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score, five stars, please. If you'd like to come and say hello on Instagram, then you can find me and all things human podcast related at This Is Jess Mills. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Jess Mills, with creative co-production by Bonnie Tyburn and produced by Joel Porter at dot dot dot. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.